Friends, you may be seated. Will you pray with me? Holy One, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O oh Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So friends, we are in our second week of thinking about sin. And the thing that that did for me was cause me to think about what I think about sin. And I discovered that I have a fairly granny weatherwax informed sense of sin. Granny Weatherwax is a fictional character in a series of novels by Terry Pratchett. And in one of those novels, she's on a journey with a priest. And the priest asks her what she thinks sin is. And she says, sin, young man, is when you treat people as things, including yourself. That's what sin is. And because the priest is a character with a theological education, he, of course, immediately wants to complicate things. So he says, it's a lot more complicated than that. And she says, no, it's not. When people say things are a lot more complicated than that, they mean they're getting worried that they won't like the truth. People as things. That's where it starts. And he says, surely there are worse crimes. And she says, but they start with thinking about people as things. These days, it's almost impossible to remember that everyone we interact with in a day is a human. Increasingly, our world is designed to encourage us to forget that our lives happen in an interdependent web of other humans. <coughs> Something as basic as getting a coffee, an act that used to require neighborly behaviors like conversation, eye contact, and physical touch as you paid with physical money, can happen in an app now. So you don't have to even encounter the person who made your mocha. Their work, their humanity is buried beneath an application made by a corporation who would rather you didn't think too much about the humans it employs. Because if you did, if you made friends with your barista, you might start wondering why they always close the cafes that unionize. Our world wants us to forget we're all humans. The world Paul was writing to in Galatians was also a world that preferred its people to forget that everyone in it was human. Galatia in modern-day Turkey was a Roman province, subject to the rules of Rome and brought under its imperial wing. Now, many of you may have been, and certainly I was, taught in school that the Roman Empire was wonderful. 
that it was a huge civilizing force that brought straight roads, fresh water, and engineering marvels everywhere it went. That the Pax Romana, a 200-ish year-long period at the height of the Roman Empire, was a time of unprecedented peace, unparalleled artistic expression, and unheard of social and economic stability. That's what many of us were taught. Because we were taught to see the Roman Empire through the eyes of a Roman citizen, probably a male Roman citizen, ideally a pater familias, a head of the family who was, again, ideally also a senator. My seventh grade Latin textbook featured just such a man, whose experiences were the frame for all we learned about Rome. And those stories weren't undermined when I studied classics in college, when I read Ovid, or when I visited Rome and walked in the Forum itself. It was only when I began to study theology, because people who study theology love to complicate things, that I learned about the underside of empire about Gyatri Spivak and the silenced subaltern, about the lives of people enslaved by Rome, about the cost of the Pax Romana, the grinding, unstoppable force of empire that denies diversity, enforces homogeneity, and fundamentally treats people as things. Paul was writing to a community enduring this kind of systemic dehumanization. That the letter is called Galatians reveals the power of empire. Galatia is a Roman name for a diverse group of people self-organized into tetrarchs and spread out over many different communities. As a conquered and colonized people, they owed taxes to Rome, sons to, Roman, to the Roman army, and worship to Roman gods. The sky god Sabazios, the mother goddess Sibele, made way for Jupiter, Juno, and Caesar Augustus. And then came Paul, preaching the good news of Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins and set us free from the present age, preaching against empire, concerned with sin. And the sins that Paul was concerned about were many, but they started with treating people as things. Debauchery, enmity, strife, jealousy, anger, quarrels, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing. These are things that only occur to us to do when we see ourselves or others as something less than human, when we fail to love our neighbors as ourselves. Drunkenness and debauchery tend to mean treating someone or ourselves as an object for pleasure and not a person to be listened to and loved. Jealousy and envy reduce a person to what they have and not who they are. Factions seek to yield power over and not share power with. 
Paul is writing to people who are getting lost playing in the stakes of empire. The competitive, dehumanizing, save-your-own-skin stakes that seem so real when you're stuck in a system that would like to convince you that you're not quite a human and your neighbor is not only worse but weaker and you should take advantage of that. People as things. That's where it starts. Beloveds, we too are in a world that would have us forget our humanity and the humanity of our neighbors. We too seem stuck in grinding, unstoppable forces that deny diversity, enforce homogeneity, and fundamentally treat people as things. At every turn, efficiency outpaces relationship, delivery beats discipleship, and technology masks the work of human hands. Our world would have us chase production, go faster, do more with less, and never have the time to stop to talk to the barista making your mocha because you might start to wonder why the chain closes every store that unionizes. Our world would have us forget our humanity, would have us numb and alone, believing no one would hold our life with patience and gentleness, and coping as we can with sins that silence but don't quite satisfy what is in fact a very human desire to be seen and known and loved. What helps? What keeps us tethered to our humanity, to the humanity of our neighbors? What slows us down enough to breathe, to see, what gives us room and courage to remember that our lives happen in an interdependent web of other humans? Granny Weatherwax says faith. Working hard, showing up every day, faith. Paul goes further and says what is important is faith expressing itself in love. And me? Well, I have a theological education, so I want to complicate things by telling you about how faith is believing that things don't have to be the way they are and believing that you can be part of making that change and then listing all of the fruits of the Spirit and talking about how one might faithfully live them out in community. But I won't. For the whole of the law is summed up in a single commandment. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And if that is not guide enough, I do not know what is. Amen.